Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the D Hour Network. I'm your host, Marcia Thaddison, from For Your Health. I'm hoping everyone is doing well on this Sunday evening. We're in the month of April, April the 12th. Can you believe it? Time is going by so fast. But I'm praying for those who are um, having issues with this coronavirus, uh, anyone who has lost their loved one because of health issues relating to the coronavirus, you know, our prayers are with you. And I pray at some time real soon that will be this plague that seemed to be going across the world will soon be over with and that we come into a new lightness of who we are. And I truly believe this is to kind of give us some reflection about what's important to us, our lives, our family. So this is the reason why I'm excited about my guest tonight that's coming on board, Nekati Rivers. She is an empowered lady with the mind to educate us uh, in a mindful, with energy, uh, she's keeping of the womb practitioner, and I think she can do a better job in describing herself and her mission here on earth to share with us. Nikati, thank you for being on the show with me. Well, thank you, Marsha. It there? is my pleasure. I am here. Can you hear me? Yes, yes. And I, I love your here. voice. I just can you hear me? I love your voice. <laughs> yes, ma'am. I can hear you. Thank you. You know, uh, Nikati, um, Give our listening audience information about who you are and your mission and um, your purpose. Uh, as far as um, how do you how do you you say empowering you empowering people, both in mind and body? Give us a little bit about your journey that put you there. Okay, my pleasure, and thank you again for inviting me to be on your show. Um, I've always loved your work, and of course, you and I met at a time when I was working on a project bringing forth awareness to um, health and wellness and health and well-being to teachers, and so that's how we came to know each other, and I appreciate you so much for bringing that information forward. And so a little bit about me and my journey and how I got here. Um, First of all, it was my own journey of forgiveness that brought me into this space of being um, an energy practitioner and a mindfulness practitioner. Um, Prior to that, I'll tell you a little bit about my background, why all of this seems so uh, in alignment now. I come from the low country of uh, South Carolina's Charleston, what you may call uh, Geechee, Gullah people. So, um, and come from a very rich heritage, didn't know how rich this heritage and culture was until years later in my adult life when I was attending a parenting uh, certified training class. And it was a facilitator model that helped you to learn about your culture and some of the things you experienced as children and how you applied those things that you experienced as a parent. And although I'm not a parent, I was able to identify with many of the things that I experienced as a child coming up. And one of the things that I experienced coming up as a child coming from the low rural country of Charleston was the rich heritage of family and culture values, uh, traditions, rituals that were not explained, but they were just there. They were just present. 
Um, the Gulch of Geechee people are descendants of Africans. Um, uh, they were enslaved Africans from West Africa, and uh, they were located on the coastal plain of the Sea Islands, which was mostly South Carolina, Charleston, Georgia, Florida, and some areas of North Carolina. And uh, again, we most people know us because we eat a lot of rice. <laughs> we eat rice with every meal. Uh, rice, you can have rice for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. But we're also known for our hospitality and the way we can connect with people and the way we are of service to people. For most of the Geechees that I know, if you run across another Geechee that did you differently, please let me know about it. But anyway, <laughs> the Gullah Geechee, because <laughs> we want to get that straight for the record. We want to get that straight. We might have to do okay. some forgiveness mantra with them so we can put them back in alignment <laughs> with the truth. <laughs> we, don't want any, we don't want any perpetrators out there, okay? So, right. um, but the Gullah Geechee is, um, uh, the Gullahs, the, the, the Africans brought to this country, of course, a very rich heritage of food and music and traditions and art and crafts. And so anytime you come down to Charleston, of course, it's about the seafood. We are seafood eaters and uh, we love rice. And so we eat rice a lot. Um, but then we love okras and vegetables and I often laugh about the way I was raised with my grandparents, and I often laugh about the way she could, you know, how she created leftovers. There was, I mean, she had a magic for leftovers. She could take, <laughs> she could take a pot of stew chicken and create that pot of stew chicken throughout the next three or four days in some kind of different way in which we didn't even know that we were eating leftovers. And I think that was like wow. one of the 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 heritage, one of the culture things about you know, the Geechee people in terms of how we cook and how we were able to be um, very uh, resourceful and not just resourceful mm-hmm. in our own kitchens. We were resourceful in the community. Um, what I love about going back to Charleston now when I go back to visit, and especially really around funerals, because that's when people really come out. And the ritual around funerals is so deep in terms of the connectedness and the people coming together and honoring each other and providing food for the family and just providing that level of comfort mm-hmm. for the family, it's just amazing. It's just amazing. So in terms of the things that I'm learning now in terms of really understanding our connectedness to each other and our connection to source, our connected to oneness, it's really all in alignment with everything that I was brought up and seeing and observing in my culture as an African. Um, and that's something that comes from our culture as African people. You know, it's just a rich heritage, and we have forgotten that. We have pulled away from that um, through many different uh, ways, but we have pulled away from that. And so my journey and my mission is to really about, it's about bringing enlightenment. It's nurturing awareness so that we can return to who we are and what we are and becoming more authentic in our journey and authentic with ourselves Mm -hmm. and authentic with other people so that we can begin to build more harmonious relationships. Wow, that is powerful. And this journey brought, uh, you mentioned earlier about forgiveness. And, you know, in my last 
um, Jane Holmes was on my show before, and then we had Dr. Carter on, and then um, Lorraine Day, and that word keeps coming up, forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. Expand more about forgiveness. And we're in the season of Passover. Some people say Easter. Um, But I think even without these days being here for these holidays or this festive feast that people are celebrating at this time, that word forgiveness is 365 days a year and 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So I need for you to just kind of expand on forgiveness because when you said that, something in my spirit leaped because I know, because I've been hearing it all week, and this is what I've been going through with that walk of forgiveness, not just for others, but even for myself. Well, it is, um, and I'm glad you brought that forward. Uh, forgiveness is what actually got me on this journey in terms of self-healing. And it began with, again, you know, I had already begun to waken up and, and, and see how the world was. And, again, it was so different from what you're taught in school. And I was brought up in a traditional, you know, Christian church and, you know, um, so went through the traditional educational path of, you know, uh, grade school and high school and college and then advanced degrees, uh, master's degree. Um, And then I began to really uncover a lot of information that seemed so um, different and so uh, in terms of what we were taught in school. And I was actually going through a lot of this during 2008, 2007, and 2008 was when I really began to have some uh, challenges in my life in terms of I got hit with the financial meltdown, and so I was having challenges Mm -hmm. uh, keeping my home. And so I was going through that whole um, process of trying to keep my home, and I was just really angry at the system at the time. I was really angry Mm -hmm. at, you know, I wasn't told how to uh, really work economics, like what are they doing, how to build wealth. I wasn't really told this, and I have a master's degree. And to be getting Marshall, I was angry. I was so angry. And so I eventually lost my home, and that took me into a spiral. I went, and and even though I was trying to get the home situated so that I could move on, so that I could travel, because I knew my spirit was longing for something bigger. However, Mm -hmm. I was still fighting to keep the home. And after losing the home, I went into a spiral. I mean, I was still functional in terms of, because I was teaching on the collegiate level, and, um, but yet I, I, I was staying with different people, staying into different homes, and, you know, just until I could get myself together because it took me on such a spiral. And that was really what led me into understanding about forgiveness. I actually met with an um, energy practitioner at the time, and I was told that, you know, I was holding on to unforgiveness. And, Marsha, I was in resistance. I said, no way. I said, you know, yeah, <laughs> I've had some rough times with my family. <laughs> I've had some rough times yes. with the family coming up. Yes, it's been challenging, but, you know, I think I have gotten, you know, I'm done with that. I'm good. But after having some work done on me and releasing a lot of the trap energy inside of me, I realized that, I was holding on to a lot of unforgiveness. There were a lot of things about even my family, 
um, about the world, about me, that I had not forgiven about my mother, that I had not forgiven, that I had that I needed healing on. And so that's how I began to do this work. Now, when I started my journey in terms of forgiveness, and again, forgiveness is what we have often mistaken is that if we forgive someone, then we are um, releasing them from, you know, whatever they did to harm us. And so we are letting them get away with something. And so this is the reason why oftentimes we have a difficult time with the concept of forgiveness. Forgiveness is really a, a, a self, a selfish thing in a way because it's really about me. It's about me letting go mm-hmm. and releasing my hold on the experience that I had with that particular person. And what I have found that it's easy for us to even forgive other people in other situations than we are to forgive ourselves. Right, right, and right. You, and, you, and you wonder, why is that, right? Why? Mm, yes. Why do we have the hardest time to forgive ourselves? We have come through this experience and this journey called life, and we have come through many, many cycles of, uh, of lifetimes. So we are not only just living in this lifetime. We have, just think about a, a cookie dough, and you're putting that flour on that cookie dough, and you, you're packing your flour, and you're rolling it over, and, and I'm, I'm coming now from my grandmother's kitchen, okay? You're, you're making that okay. bread, and, you, and you're putting more flour on that bread, and so you're packing a lot of dough, and so that's how we are. We have come through many lifetimes. And so uh, along with those lifetimes, with the lessons that we have to learn, the hurt, the pain, the disappointments, all those are, and from the decisions that we made, is all what makes us today. And so oftentimes we have a difficult time forgiving ourselves for the decisions we made. For example, me, I had the most difficult time forgiving myself for, you know, the choices I made regarding the house. I said, oh, if I had gone to court, oh, if I had taken this method, oh, if I had gotten an attorney, I would have probably still had my house. So I had the most difficult time. And then all the people that, uh, again, I entertained in my home, these people didn't seemingly understand or understood my journey. I was angry with them. And so I had to realize that it wasn't them. It was just me and the choices that I had made that I was angry with. And I had to begin that journey of forgiving myself for those decisions that I made. And we all make decisions based on where we are right. at that right. particular time with whatever tools we have to make the decision with. And so I made the decisions based on the tools that I was equipped with at the time. And so now I'm saying that, but then I wasn't saying that. I was just really you know, beating myself up in terms of why did I do this? You know, why did I make some other decisions? And yet, forgiveness starts within. It starts with us. If we are not able to forgive ourselves, then it's very likely that we are um, able to forgive other people. 
And, you know, um, what I'm coming to learn about forgiveness, not just for myself, even some of the things, like you say, you beat yourself up about certain things you should have, wish you could have, would have done, but you can't go back and change those situations or that time. But I'm learning to how to look at how ugly it may look, how painful it may look for me to look back at a certain situation or things I've done or said to say, okay, this is a lesson. What did you learn from this, and how do it? How do you make yourself better from this? Is that that mindfulness that you talk about? Is looking at your situation to say, okay, how do I learn from this? Yes, and before we um, and before we merge into the the mindfulness, because I want to really touch on something that you really said okay. about. You know, the lessons that we learn through our journeys in terms of decisions that we make and that forgiveness component of it. We cannot change what happened. However, what we can change and what I teach is how to transmute the feeling and the, because again, we're going to talk about energy and all of our thoughts and emotions, emotions is energy. So, and Mm -hmm. that energy lingers. And this is what, what, what keeps us into that, that, um, that vortex of unforgiveness because that energy is lingering with us and it's trapped inside of our bodies. And so what we can mm. do is that we can begin to transmute that energy, the way we felt, the experience that we had, you know, the anger that we had, the disappointment. We can begin to transmute that energy and it would help us to begin to look at what is the lesson? What was it I was supposed to learn from this? What do I take away from this experience? How do I evolve now as a result of this experience? And what happens, and what happened with me, is that I began to look at the experience and began to be grateful for it. Because without it, without the decisions that I made, I wouldn't have known how to make these decisions. I wouldn't be where I am right now. So as a result of transmuting that energy, that hurt, that pain, that anger, I was able to now open myself more to really go a little deeper inside to look at what is my lesson? What what was I supposed to learn? So... Now moving into what we are going to talk about tonight, which is about energy and mindfulness, um, I want to first tap into the energy because, again, talking about Western education, these are things that oftentimes was not taught in our school and our, in our upbringing in terms of energy. And we are embraced with energy. We are energy. We are atoms and molecules and particles and quantum particles. We have just only been taught that things are solid. So we look at our body. We can feel it. We can touch it. We say it's solid. We look at the sofa, the chair, the, chair, the table. We said, oh, we can touch it. It is solid. However, if we put that under a sophisticated microscope, the only thing that we will see is movement. We would see things moving, frizzing. And so we come to realize that we are not solid. Nothing in this earth, in this earth plane, is solid. Everything is vibrating and moving. 
And the only thing that holds us or what we think are, that we are holding in place is gravity, but that's just the illusion that we are um, being held in place through gravity. But the, even the earth itself is continuously in movement, in motion. And you can feel this. Um, if any of you ever go and sit on the ground, um, maybe sit by a tree. I do a lot of grounding. We'll talk about that a little later. Um, but I do a lot of sitting on the ground, connecting with the earth, sitting next to a tree. And if you sit next to a, to a tree, you can feel the earth under you moving. Wow. So energy, yes, you can feel it. And if you sit quiet and be still long enough, you can feel and sense things moving. Like things, you can even sense like, energy moving around you in your home. Um, you can maybe see a light out of the flicker of your eyes or something like that. And sometimes you cast it off as, oh, that's not anything. Maybe my eyes are acting up or whatever. But you can sense the, the idea, the concept of things moving around you. And so this is, um, this is a, a greater and deeper understanding of energy. And it took me a minute to really grasp it. Because, again, um, I had the same program. I was brought in in the same Western um, education that, you know, things are solid. Yes. We are solid. We have bones and tissues, and yes, we do, but they are all energy. It's all energy. So um, one of the journey um, here is to awaken, to uh, begin to become conscious of our day-to-day -day activities, um, if we begin to understand that everything is energy, we can begin to understand more about the world and how the universe works, how we are a, a, like, a, like a, a blink of the, a, a, a dip of a, in the ocean. We are just like a dip in the ocean, but there is a bigger ocean and we are just a part of that ocean, you know, so we are like a drip of the water in the ocean. And so it's not only about who we are, but this journey is also about understanding more about what we are, because when we begin to understand what we are in terms of energetic beings, we begin to tap into our true power. Wow. And, you know, you talk about connecting to the earth. It's been times when I've, I've gone outside to the car without my shoes on. And I can feel, and I had a reflexologist to come to my store when I had my store in noon and we did some exercise. And I was able to feel the energy of, of the water and other stuff. But when I went outside and I put my foot, I have barefoot into the ground and on the concrete, I can actually feel that energy going up my legs. I can feel that energy. And I know many people talk about getting out and, uh, early in the morning and looking at the mm -hmm. sunrise, what they call the third eye. Is that the third eye? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I want to be, I said, my goal is to try that, to get out to the beach, be somewhere on the beach, the sand. And as you mentioned, the water being near the, uh, the ocean because the ocean is salty and we're made of salt and water. And that's one mm -hmm. of the things, too. But um, that energy from earth and us being able to reconnect to the earth, I think that's so important. Um, 
on my previous shows, I've had uh, a guy named Robert on who's taking our kids fishing, uh, taking them back out into nature because a lot of times kids aren't seeing it. They see nothing but concrete, uh, buses and city. They're not able to see nature in its beautiful form of the sunrise and the sunset, the ocean, um, being out in the water or just knowing, being out there skiing or uh, enjoying nature in that in this natural habitat, because there's some of us that can't, but not many of us. But um, that energy, I think, is so important. And another thing I wanted to bring up is um, our cells have memories and things like that. And cellular, are you familiar with cellular memory? Yes. Well, you know, of course, that's that's a part of my work in terms of helping people to, and this is the reason why it's important for us to slow down. Like what we're going through right now, you know, there's so many hidden Mm -hmm. treasures in this experience because we are forced to slow down. Um, And when we begin to slow down, yes, our body is over 80% water. And and so some people may say 85%, but it's definitely over 80% water. We are more water. And this is the reason when you go, like, to the ocean or to the water, to the lake, you know, you can easily calm yourself down. You feel so tranquil with the water because you feel connected. You feel one. That's because we are made of water. So our cells, mm-hmm. the cells that is within our body, is water, and it has memory. Mm-hmm. So, yes. and this is, I mean, and so the, the cells that's in our bodies, it has memory. But it's, it has memory from all of the many lifetimes. So this is the reason why I was talking about how that forgiveness is so difficult because we are not only forgiving this current experience, we are forgiving many lifetimes that are stored into our cellular memories. And in order to tap into that, this is the reason why we want to move into becoming more mindful and to move into mindfulness practices because it helps us to slow down to really connect with our bodies and really begin to tap into the information that's stored within. Everything that we have ever experienced in this lifetime is stored in our memories, is stored in ourselves. Just mm, like this experience yes. that we're having right now, we have mm-hmm. had epidemics many times before on this earth, and many people have, have lived through them many of these times. And so they are having a lot of reactions from these stored memories in terms of what happened and what took place. But our cells, yes, you're absolutely correct. Our cells, our bodies is over 85% or over 80% water. And so it is very, um, it's very receptive to um, information. And so this is one of the reasons why people become so anxiety-ridden because with all of the information that is bombarding us now, we are bombarded with information 24-7. We have connections to the Internet, to social media, to the TV, to the news. And so all of this is like, you know, imprinting in on ourselves. And so even when we're sleeping, we are continuously on. And so Correct. with all of that information bombarding our minds and our bodies and our spirits, it's very difficult for us to kind of integrate that information 
And so we become almost like victims of it. And so the whole reason of understanding mindfulness is so that you can become more aware of your thoughts and your feelings and understand more about what's going on so that you can begin to quiet down and begin to break away from all of the many distractions that this lifetime has brought, and especially this time right now. Um, yes. Many people, even though we, have, you know, many people have been given time to sit down and be still, but of course, people are still busy doing busy stuff. You know, with either looking for information on YouTube about the coronavirus, or doing this, or doing that, or trying to do something to occupy themselves because they have not yet learned how to be still. Mm. And you and know, so when you this talk is about, the, go ahead. You know, when you talk about um, being still and energy, how do one handle? And you know, it's, I call emotional transfer. You know, like if you walk into a room <laughs> and someone has negative energy, and immediately your gut feel it. Or it's been time for I'm even just doing dishes, and I get I have this anxious feeling or this this just anger. It's like something rises up from my past, but I don't know what it is and what triggered it to be there. So I'm finding a way to calm myself and say, okay, why are you feeling this way? And I'm questioning myself. What are you thinking on or subconsciously thinking on that's resurrecting this feeling and these emotions? Or maybe having a conversation with a certain person will generate some anger and rage in you and you're like, oh, I got to pull back. And right now, many people are stuck with folks they probably don't even like, and they're family folks. (laughs) So, you know, someone's going to say something to you or do something to you or uh, get in your face. And, uh, you know, according to statistics, uh, domestic violence is going up, you know. It's Mm. because people are at home, and we don't know how to find that peace, how to find that space to deal with those emotions or that – those cells of unforgiveness that something keeps rising back up or resurrecting his head up and having a spin on our head off our bodies. So kind of address that a little bit too. Well, yes. And, you know, um, it is, I, I, you know, there's so many ways that I can go with that, but, you know, I do feel, and I'm sending a lot of love and light out to people who um, are now, again, experiencing what it feels like to, again, be still and, again, be in those homes with family members and um, children that, you know, they often try to get away from and um, uh, have built up all these distractions and uh, different ways in which to, you know, limit as much time with families as, as possible. And so you're right that, you know, this is really big right now because what has been suppressed is now coming forward. And so mindfulness, and this, this is a time where, again, it's going to take practice. I mean, people aren't going to get this overnight. However, you know, I'm, I'm, before we end tonight, I definitely want to provide some techniques that, you know, people can begin now to do to begin to, um, to just understand, first of all, and, and maybe I need to go into this now, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll piggyback on some of the mind, mindfulness things that I want to share. 
some of the things that um, people are experiencing right now are their their versions of themselves that are now coming forward to them. This is happening on a micro level and a macro level. So we are seeing versions of ourselves that are coming through from our family members that we are stuck in because relationships is all about, again, seeing a version of yourself, seeing yourself in someone else. And so when you see that, you know, if something triggers you like anger or frustration, that means that there's something inside of you that this person is trying to help you heal. And that's been the most challenging thing that most of my students have, you know, have had to swallow, that really the person that is giving you the hardest time is the lesson. There's something there in terms of that energy that you're, you are learning, wanting to learn. Your higher self is actually saying, there is something here that I want to learn. And this is the reason why we attract certain relationships and we, we attract certain soul families because we come here to learn and evolve and learn certain lessons, and these are the ones who are helping us to learn these lessons. So if you have someone uh, that you are feeling very uh, triggered by, the first question is to ask yourself why. You know, what aspect of this person is it that I just do not like? And the first thing I would like to tell people is to be okay with saying, I do not like this person. But you're not, because you're not saying really that you don't like the person. You're saying that there's something about, is a behavior, is something about that person that you don't like. And so that's what you want to target. What is it about this person? Because there's something there that is a reflection of you that you want to tap into. So, but, you know, we've been program to just, you know, snatch and go at this person and instead of understanding what is this reflection of me that's coming through in this person. And it's okay. The first thing is awareness. And it's okay to say, I don't like this behavior. Because okay. once you say, I don't like this behavior and you become aware of it, now you can go a step further to say, what is it about this behavior that I do not like? What aspect of this is inside of me? And it could be, Marcia, it could be something as, as uh, that it could have been your mother used to do this, mm-hmm. used to, you know, um, I don't know, she, she used to, you know, wash the dishes a certain kind of way. And you didn't like it as a child, and you were forced to do it her way. And because she, and and now you, and and because she had a lot of control over you, you never liked the idea of control. And so now you end up being with a a mate that is has those same tendencies, wants to do things their way. It has to be their way. Want to do this way. So now, what's coming back is not so much the mate and the way they want to do things is the memory. Remember we talking about those cellular memories. It's right. the cellular, cellular memory of your of your mother. And this in this example that I'm using is the cellular memory of your mother and her control that used to make you so angry. But now okay. because and, you and never dealt with sense. that feeling because yeah. you never dealt with that is showing itself in your other relationships. So it keeps coming, 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 coming to you until you sit with it 
and figure out what is the lesson you're to learn from this experience. Wow. And, you know, and you think about the cellular memories, and I think, too, that's why so many young women end up marrying men just like their fathers. You know, if their father was an alcoholic or he was this, and you tend to marry someone because your memory uh, I always used to tell people, you know, I, I grew up with my shoes on the wrong foot, you know, wearing my shoes on the wrong feet, spiritually. <laughs> and then when I learned how to walk, and they're like, wait a minute, this is not the right way. Even though I got comfortable in that dysfunction of a walk that I was putting my life through, mm-hmm. and when I got out and experienced other relationships, other people beyond my box of my living or family, I'm like, oh, man. This is nice. This is how you get along. This is how you talk to each other, you know, and you get a different perspective of life and how um, you, and then you make choices. I want this. I want that. I want this. Oh, no, I don't want that. That, 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 that takes me back to where I was. I don't want to go back there. Having those choices and then changing the memories or the um, cellular memory that's inside your body, because I saw a documentary years ago about cellular memory, and it was talking about how people do organ don- donation, like people who get other people's heart. And this gentleman, uh, a Caucasian young man uh, out in the country of Illinois, loved country music, kind of back heel, not very educated, had heart, um, heart bypass surgery. He got a heart of a young African-American young male who was a classic, uh, classic art music. He plays cello. Oh. Very intelligent, very smart. This man got this man's young boy's heart. He now has a love for classical music. He now no longer was kind of a racist and making comments. He, his whole perspective took on the memory, the cellular memory of this young man. And I'm like, no one's ever said anything about how, and their doctors are still looking at this. I know there's some studies done at John Hopkins and some of the other universities where people taste buds, their interests change completely after having organ transplant. Um, because, as you said, these cellular memories from when we were young, our touch, our emotion, our smell, all of that is still there. It's there, and again, it goes back to the really the truth that again, you know, and again, doctors again they're evolving, but they're still looking at everything as being solid, and so they're still learning how to merge the the the, the science with, with 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 the medical and understanding that everything is energy, the metaphysical um, aspect of it, that everything is energy. So the heart to them is, again, they're still seeing it as a solid thing, but, again, it is energy. And so it is the energy of everything that this person loved um, is the frequency and the vibration and the energy of everything that this person loved that has been transported into this new body. So this new body now has this new energy. Wow. Wow, that is, I mean, that is amazing. And so the energy we have now, um, the energy, how do we, 
put ourselves in the spirit in a in a moment just to focus on positive energy. When we have all these old um, cellular memories that's negative, um, not positive. Um, how do we change that? What's the steps to changing? Well, and um, in my in my work, um, I encourage people to again. I I nurture awareness, and so it's it's to me the journey is not just about having positive thoughts. The journey is becoming aware and becoming authentic. And so, in order for you to become authentic, we have to first become true to ourselves. You know the old uh, proverbs, "Know thyself." You have to first yes. become true to yourself. That means you got to take the good, bad, and the ugly. You got to take it all. And so the first step that I offer that, you know, in terms of mindfulness is to become aware, to become aware. The, the, the art of, of mindfulness is an, is an Eastern practice, and it helps to train our mind. Um, and it, but it, it begins with the act of being present and being aware of what is. So we want to start with where we are. And so this is, and, and this goes back to the example that I shared about, you know, if it's someone that you don't like, you know, say, you know, it, you know, I just don't like this person. But then we're going to go a little deeper to say, well, what is it about that person that you don't like? Because it's not that you don't like that person. It is something about that person. It's a behavior. It's a trait that is being displayed through this person that is bringing forth a memory inside of you or triggering something inside of you. What is that? So we're going to take the journey to go a little deeper because it's not like trying to say, okay, you realize that, you know, this, some, this person is, you don't like something about this person or this situation, and then you're going to just try to cover it up with positive thoughts. Well, no, you still right. have the undergirding energy that's there that you have not addressed. So it's going to show itself up again in another situation or in another relationship. So our journey is to actually go and face that energy, to face that energy, understand it, come toe-to-toe with it. It's almost like you're going to square with it to say, and you're not squaring it with that person, but you're squaring it with the energy, that, 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 that trait, that that behavior that is triggering inside of you so that you can understand exactly what is the root of this, where is this coming from, so that I can begin to transmute it. Now, I use and I introduce to my students an old practice. It's a um, Hawaiian practice of ho'oponopono, and, and people on the, on the call may have heard of it. Um, but I use that mantra because, and, and again, I teach how to use that mantra to actually transmute energy. But in order for you to transmute that energy, you have to face it. You have to come square with it. And then once we begin to transmute it, now there are some other things you can do, some other affirmations, some positive affirmations that you can do. But for the most part, in terms of healing, self-healing, we don't, I don't teach 
you know, just think positive and it's going to go away because that's not the truth <laughs> in my belief system. <laughs> and from my journey, that's not what has happened, okay? Because right. trust me, Uh-oh. I tried to yeah. think a lot of positive thoughts about my family, okay? Uh-oh. And that was not, that did not bring the healing. The healing was I had to really face what, what, what it was inside of me that needs to be healed. <laughs> Hello. So, yes. Um, yes. <laughs> so, you know, again, energy, um, you know, this this is one of the steps that I encourage people to do. And it takes courage. It takes courage to look at yourself in the mirror. It takes courage to forgive yourself. It takes courage to self-heal. But I am, you know, I facilitate the healing. You have to make the decision to heal. That means that you have to make the decision and give yourself permission to face yourself, mm. to face that part of you that you're trying to avoid. Right, right. And because a lot of times people, some people have become accustomed to the pain. That's all they do is sit on and go on and on and on. And we live that over and over and over again. And it pushes oh, yes. other people this away so from true. them. And it, push, and it pushes other people away from them. And it gets to the point that they can never move on, and people around them not able to move on because they keep reliving it over and over again. Well, and this is this happens a lot. It's almost like that wheel of self-victimization, and it it it, it takes different things to get us off of that wheel. Like for an example, on a global consciousness, what's happening right now? We're taking, we're getting an opportunity to get off of that wheel for a moment, to get off of that, you know, that continue being busy and going and doing this and doing that and, you know, that continual busyness that keeps us distracted from going within. And so we're given this opportunity to sit back and maybe do some introspection. Um, sometimes it takes people walking out of your life for it to really hit you, to really say, you know what, Woo! it's time for a change. Hello. Yes. Then they're done that. Yeah. So certain things, oh and then again, and a lot of times, sometimes it's illness that hits us and and, mm-hmm. and and takes us down, that makes us realize that, you know, something has to change. So there are different things that happen when, when your higher self, when your spirit is trying to get your attention or when the universe is trying to get your attention, trust me, it will not be denied. And so, you know, it's best to, to, to try to get it on your own, but if not, you know, then certain things will happen, like car accidents. Car accidents, um, mm-hmm. uh, when people come to me and they say, I've had so many car accidents, and I said, okay, that's because you are energetically out of alignment. Um, and the car accidents are ways to get you to stop. But if you never, if you continue to keep going, get back into another car, get back into another accident, get into another car, get into another accident. If something doesn't hit you, like, okay, now why is it that I keep having these car accidents? Then, you know, and, you know, this is what, this is what breaks the cycle. It's like something happens to break the cycle. And sometimes it's a painful situation that wakes us up to say, oh, my God. Something has to change. I can't go on like this. Like many women who have been abused, you know, they have said, you know, yeah. I've, I've gotten to the end. I can't take anymore. You know, this is my right. last straw. And that's what it happens. Yeah. Like there. Your spirit yeah. just gets to that point that, you know, you just say, I can't take anymore. I have to do something different. 
Right. And the human right. spirit we is much more courageous than we can even imagine. We are much, much more powerful beings than we can even imagine. We are so powerful. And I... And right now with this coronavirus thing going on and, you know, they play it 24-7 on the news, you know, they're looking at the numbers, looking at the numbers. And then you think about it, at least I was having a reflection about this. Wait a minute, how many people die of cancer every year? How many people die of diabetes and other health issues? And are these other health issues being addressed in the hospital because of the coronavirus? You have so many people that are so fearful of this coronavirus. Um, I mean, I can hear it in their voice. They're scared of people. They don't want people standing next to them. It's like, nope, you're not, you're not six feet away from me. How do we give people that peace when everything in our cellular memory is saying, okay, I have to wear gloves, I have to have a mask on, I have to be six feet away. Now we got this in us, and it, it's not going to easily go away because, We've been doing this for a couple, what, I think it's 21 days to, um, for you to get a habit or break a habit. Is there so many days that yes. you're supposed to break a habit? Yeah. 21. 21. So, mm-hmm. so we've been in this more than 21 days. So when coming out of this, people selling you this little memory of them being at distance from each other, how, how do we break that or make sure we don't continue this? Well, that's a good question. And, again, it's going to be each person's individual decision to, uh, to use this as, an, as a learning tool. Um, first of all, yes, I agree that there's, there's more fear that's around this thing than anything else in the virus itself, right? And so people are buying right. into the fear. So one of the things that I have recommended for people is as you move more into becoming more inner peace is to limit, limit the amount of uh, attention that you're giving to this experience. Um, because, again, understanding the power of our minds, the more we give attention to it, the more we are helping to create it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if, if there was a, a situation where someone was trying to manipulate or control you, then the, the, the key to manipulating and controlling someone is to put them in fear. Because think about it, when you're in fear, you don't move forward. You're almost like paralyzed. You can't, you can't, you can't think. You can't do anything. Right. And, so, right. You know, and so this is an easy way to control and manipulate um, the masses by putting them into fear. And so, but that fear is not coming from more so the external as it is already internal. That means that you already have a lot of fear that's going on inside of you. And so you may want to begin to ask, why am I so afraid? You know, we, people are afraid of dying. People, we, we've had this death right. program. People are afraid of death because people don't understand that, you know, the soul continues to evolve. You know, there's no such thing, really, as death. But, again, people are afraid of death. And so what you say, why are you afraid of death? Why are you afraid of dying? You know, we already know that we have a certain time to come here to do what we came here to do, fill out, fulfill our soul's mission, and then we move on. We fulfill our soul's purpose. However, many people um, are so afraid that they're not in alignment with their soul's purpose and their, and their mission and so, you know, that's the reason why people may say, oh, 
death came too soon. No, death comes whenever death is supposed to come, you know. Um, However, Mm -hmm. what have you done? Even if a person, even if a child is one year old, that child's mission might have been, our purpose might have been to come and open somebody's heart. And Mm -hmm. if that person's child's purpose is done and mission has been fulfilled, that person, that, that soul goes on to the next mission. So it's, it's really about, you know, the fear that is surrounding this thing. And as we talk about going back into mindfulness is, again, becoming aware of what is really truly the core fear. What are you really truly afraid of? Um, and this is and, 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 because if anything, maybe people are afraid that, you know, uh, some of their core values have been challenged. And so uh, earlier this week I did a webinar and I was talking about, again, some of the hidden uh, treasures of uh, this coronavirus. And, you know, I talked about, again, beginning to really go within to look at what are the things that you really truly value now in life? You know, um, most of our freedom are some of the things that we did and we took for granted, you know, have been curtailed. So these are things that we really truly value. And so what are other areas in your life that you're not really living out to the fullest of really experiencing freedom? So it doesn't take someone to do something like this for you to become aware. You can become aware of what areas of your life that you're not in alignment with. What are your core values? First of all, identifying what they are. And then looking at whether or not your life is in alignment with those core values. So there are some people whose core value, their core value is family, but because they have been in this grind of going to a job day in and day out, you know, to live by society's measures, they have actually not catered to family. They have, you know, um, released the, the value of family. So these some some people that I've talked to are now appreciating that they have more time with their family, and again, some others are challenged. But there are some people <laughs> whose core value is family, but they have been in this grind all the time, and so right. being in this grind, they have been out of alignment with their soul's purpose and mission because their values have been, you know, askew because of they're trying to again succumb to society's measures of success. Correct. Correct. Wow. I tell you what, we're going to take a break. We're uh, going to be right back. And I want to talk more about the core values on how we or what little exercises you can help people to do or think about to evaluate what really is their core values for themselves and their family. We'll be right back here on the D-Hour Network. I'm your host, Marsha Patterson.
We're back with the D Hour Network. I'm your host, Marsha Patterson, and Nakati Nakati River is here, and we're talking about energy. Nakati, Nakati. Why am I pronouncing that wrong? Nakati. Sorry about that. Nakati. It's okay. I know. I'm tearing your name up in my. I'm so sorry. Um, Energy, (laughs) mindful and the keeper of the womb practice. But before we went to break, we I wanted to go back on the core values. I remember in school, you know, when I was at Alverno College, and we have a talk about our core values, and we have a circle, and you put your core values, and on the outside of the circle you write, and you may say family or God or um, your business or your community, your church. Is that kind of like an exercise you're looking at or something you kind of emphasize for people to kind of look at the, um, writing down their core values? Yes, exactly. That's um, And, again, there's so many different exercises and activities that you can do to uh, kind of tap into uh, what's important to you because that's basically what is what you're asking, what is really truly important to me. And so some examples um, that uh, I, I provide to, for people to kind of tap into what's really important to, you, to them, like an exercise, I would say, you know, think of a time when you were most happy in your life. You know, can you reflect back in a moment where you felt happy and proud of yourself? What were you doing at that time? You know, what was happening? Wow. Who was around you? And so it kind of helps you to kind of really tap into what was really truly important. Now, not to say that what was truly important that time, at that moment is truly important now, but you get a sense of, well, well what was really truly, were, did I have family around? You know, was I in a, 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 a happy, loyal, faithful relationship? You know, was I doing well in my work? In my, you know, was I working for someone who valued my skills? You know, that, that was I traveling? Was I spending more time with my family? And then you begin to understand, like, well, what was really truly, what, what really helped my happiness and my, my fulfillment? And that will begin the journey to help you really understand what is it that you really truly value. Like one of the things that people are probably really truly understanding that they really value now is freedom. You know, uh, the ability to go <laughs> wherever they want to go and when they want to go. So that was something you may not have thought, like, you know, because you took it for granted. Like, you know, you, there wasn't anything that was stopping you, so you could go. Um, but now that you're having to stay at home and stay in place, you're realizing that, wow, my freedom is really important to me. Right, um, right. One of the right. things that came out of this for me was community. Um, community, I've always, again, coming from a community, coming from a village experience where you have people around who you know you don't feel by yourself. You know you always have support. You right. know you got somebody across right. the road. Somebody's got right. something that you need that you, that you may, you know, you got everything because community is there. So community is very important to me. And um, so one of the things, I'm, I'm in a leasing uh, situation, so one of the things that came out of this experience, I said, you know what, I am not going to renew my lease because this is showing me uh, the extent of community. And that's really important to me because 
like I've been sharing with people, this is just a prelude to something even bigger. So, you know, we want to see how we are doing in this situation because we're going to be tested again, you know, because human evolution, humans are, we are evolving. We are evolving our consciousness. And so, but Mm -hmm. to evolve, we have to become more present. And we have to begin to look at what are the things that are important um, to us, especially here in America, because we have become very passive. Uh, we don't yeah. stand for anything anymore, you know. Um, and mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, learning to understand what's really important to you. Is friendship important to you? How important is to have a loyal friend, someone that you can call right. on, someone that you know that will support you? Um, these things are very loyalty, relationships, you know, Determine mm-hmm. where these things fit in that circle for you and how valuable they are. And if you're not, if you're out of alignment with those things that are, if you're working a job that you're working a job for, you know, 60 hours a week and you don't have time to uh, maybe see your children or kiss your children before they go off to school or hug them when they come home or have dinner with them, you know, then, and, and that's important to you then you're not, you're unfulfilled, you're unhappy. And so, you know, getting in touch with those values is very important for not only just every individual that maybe began to align with their their core value helps with the global consciousness in terms of us aligning now with divine feminine principles and frequencies and so that we can help to evolve as a global, as a humanity. Um, because we have just been in this rat race. And so yes. so yes. that's one of the things that, you know, I often tell people to look at, you know, you know, a time when they were really, really happy and proud of themselves. Look at what are some of the things that they were doing. Um, and then also another activity you could actually begin to look at uh, what is it that other people come to you for? So what are your natural gifts and your talents and your skills? And are you doing those things that's helping to nurture that? Because that's another way of showing that you may be out of alignment. Wow. Wow, that's good. That's good. And um, the times that you were happy, that's really good to kind of reflect that. uh, And then... I really love what this is saying, um, what you're saying to me as well as the listening audience because I'm taking this in because so many times we allow other people to transfer their energy, their problems, and you think you have to take it on and try to solve it. And I've gotten to that point in my life, no, I I can't do that anymore. Um, And why am I doing that? What makes me want to be a rescuer or try to fix things? So that's mm. a question I have to search within my own self to say I can't fix everything, and and I'm not going to try. But our community is so important to me. Um, my daughter always say, if it wasn't for me, she wouldn't know her neighbors because when I'm over here or whatever, I'm talking, I get to know the neighbors. I speak, I talk to people, mm-hmm. I connect to people. Um, it's been folks, have, friends of mine have joked with me when we go in the grocery store, okay, Marsha, we're going in. Don't say nothing to no one. Just go in and come right out. Don't say a word. Because I can strike up a conversation with 
anybody in act, and you would swear I have known them for hours or days, or, you know, or, and just met them. But I love talking to people. I love reaching out to people, and I'm a sharer. I love sharing with people. I love sharing. Um, and I realized, and a lot of times I kept thinking to myself, well, they're not reciprocating. They're not giving. They're not giving back what I'm giving out. My daughter said, "That's this is your personality. That's not their personality. Their personality <laughs> is to come and get, and yours is to give." And I realized I'm giving out to the universe in, in the seed form, and so I have a harvest. I have because these I do believe what you plant and what you put out there can come back to you, negatively mm-hmm. and positively, and that's the energy that you put out. You know, because I smile at someone else. There's, sometimes they will smile, sometimes they won't. But that I don't let that affect me, how another person added to it. And that's where I am at that space. And when you said forgiveness, all my shows, for the last three shows, every last one of them, my guests talked about the power of forgiveness and that energy that comes with forgiveness and the power of energy that you can bring into a room or into the lives of other people is really powerful. So, yeah, I love this. And along with that, and along with that, Marsha, um, because most uh, light workers, and I call them, I call us light workers um, because we're here to shine our light, um, and most people who are very sensitive and empathic um, and you may probably have some empathics on the line where, you know, again, you can easily feel and sense people's energies and you want to do for people. And yet, though, yes. we also have to build healthy boundaries. We have to build healthy boundaries. And I use the example as, again, you know, you have a, a bank. If, you, if you're always just making out withdrawal and you're not putting any deposits, then you're going to become bankrupt. So this is why mindfulness practices are also important because it allows you to kind of be more in tune with yourself to know that when you have given out and you need to give something back to yourself. Now, we don't expect that to come from other people. We have to learn how to give that to ourselves. And so, um, and again, it's really so much in alignment with inner peace as well because we have to learn how to create Healthy boundaries, you have to learn how to say no or not now or maybe later, okay? When you know that you Mm -hmm. have nothing to give, you know, uh, be true to yourself to say, I have nothing right now, Um, let me get back with you later. Or don't answer that phone, you know, um, because (laughs) you know you have nothing to give. And so instead of answering that phone and trying to give a piece of yourself that you know that you need for yourself right now, then be honest with yourself to say, I have nothing to give. I have to wait. I have to, you know, first do what I need to do to fill my jar back up, fill my my vessel back up. And some of the things to do Mm -hmm. that, which is right in alignment with some activities for inner peace, um, is to, again, you know, get out in nature, um, connect with the with the earth, and you know whether or not you're at a beach, you can go in your backyard and sit on the grass and just connect. Um, go garden. Garden is a way of connecting with the earth. You can mm-hmm. garden. Um, get out and get some sun. You know that early morning sun or walk on the early morning dew is a good way of connecting. 
Uh, I've been joking with people. I said, well, since people aren't hugging each other now, and I'm a hugger, I love to hug people when I see them. Yes. So I always hug trees anyway. (laughs) I always hug trees anyway. So I'm giving the trees even more hugs now. And because I'm like, okay, you're the only person that I can hug right now. So I'm giving the trees even much more hugs. Um, Another thing is, again, to (laughs) when you feel yourself being, um, you know, uh, zapped of your energy, you know, start doing a Mm -hmm. gratitude list, a gratitude list in the morning and at night, just the simple things that you're grateful for. Um, Of course, we always, even though we are over 80% water, we have to continue to drink water, especially those of us who are doing this healing work, whether you are a healing practitioner, but if you are a parent or you are a teacher or you are a doctor or a nurse or someone who's out there in the community where you're always giving of yourself or you're just that family member that everyone comes to, then we know that you have to continue to keep yourself hydrated. Hydrate it because we have to hydrate the cells in our body and hydrate all of the organs in our body. So drinking water. Um, and also I tell people to just tap into just like, you know, when you have to just calm down and be with yourself, crayons, coloring books, so simple. You can go to Dollar mm-hmm. Tree. Well, Dollar Tree may not be open now, but you can get coloring books for a dollar and crayons for a dollar, and just sit with yourself and just allow your mind to just be free. And that is a way of reconnecting with yourself, reconnecting with you and giving yourself some love. Um, Again, always we have to remember we are in an information overload society. So giving yourself digital detox. And that means turning off that phone for 15 minutes, 30 minutes, as long as you can take it. I did an exercise like this for on the collegiate level, a leadership exercise with my students uh, when I was teaching on the collegiate level, and I told them that I wanted them to leave their phones inside the classrooms, and we were going to go outside in nature for 15 minutes. There was anxiety attacks, okay, because (laughs) they were just having anxiety attacks for being separated from their cell phones for 15 minutes. So we have to begin to detach. We have to begin to detach from that that unhealthy. It's two things that's happening. First of all, there's a lot of radiation that comes to the cell phones, and that information has not even made the mass media yet in terms of the impact of cell phones. And then plus it's just the whole idea that that cell phone is controlling you, that you're missing out on Mm -hmm. something if you're not – answering that phone every second of the day or looking at a text or looking, checking social media or checking emails. So this is very important to give yourself a, 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 a detach, a digital detach, a, de- a digital detox is what I call it. Um, and then also um, you talked about the guy, the transfer of the heart, the guy that listened to classical music. Yes. This does yes. so much yes. for the body in terms of tuning the bodies. Our body is like a tuning fork. And so even the sounds that we take, a sound is very healing. The sounds that we listen mm. to, whether it's the sound of certain music and the frequency of the music is also very important. So I introduce people to listening to classical music. I listen to Bach for a few minutes a day. I also listen to 432 hertz or 528 hertz which deals with the heart and opens up the heart. 
allows you to self-forgive yourself and love yourself more. Um, I also introduce people into taking salt baths. And just like if you can't get to that ocean, you know, mm-hmm. bring it right into your bathroom mm-hmm. and, and take you an Epsom salt bath. You can use Epsom salt or Himalayan pink salt or sea salt, but bring that ocean mm-hmm. experience right into your bathtub and soak in there for yes. about 20 minutes. And that allows not only your oral body to cleanse, but it allows your body to relax down to a cellular um, level where you can begin to really get in touch with who you are. And then and I I'm just so tell people to talk- laugh more. Go ahead. Oh, my God, that is so good. Laughing, you know, because I'm, I make a conscious decision, like if I can't sleep at night, I put on whatever I know going to make me laugh. And my kids will come down and they'll look and say, what are, you, what are you laughing at? What are you looking at? And they know immediately there's certain old movies, you know, like um, Andy and Griffin, Andy Griffin and some of these other kind of crazy mm-hmm. old stuff. I just like that. I like that old stuff. I, um, and, you know, the South Bath, um, I advocate, if anyone's listened to my previous blog talk, I'm really advocating people doing salt. Your brain sits in salt. Your heart needs salt, the healthy salt, the, the salt, mm-hmm. because yes. we, our body is 102 minerals, and we need to replace that mineral. And the Himalaya is 84 yes. minerals. And I'm always yes. using adding that salt into my water or putting the salt mm-hmm. in my food because we need this. Our, our urine is salty. Our uh, tears are salty. Our blood is salty. And if you go to the hospital, the first thing they hook you up to is saline. So we need this in us. Yes. Um, the scripture says, I think it's in Mark, have a little salt in you that you may have peace with your brother. <laughs> wow. Having peace with your brother. Because, you know, you talk about the electronic, putting those down and things like that. It's been, I have to get, you know, sometimes get on my granddaughter. She'd be in a car with me. She's on the phone. I said, put your phone down and talk with me. Put your phone up. And her, her mom made a rule: is when you're in the car with us, we, you 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 with us. So put the phone up. You're gonna have a conversation with us, and we're gonna have a conversation with you. We're gonna talk back and forth. Let's go. And you know, just because everybody, I can probably see the dads in the room watching their TV, the kids were in their room watching TV, and everybody in separate place, but under one roof, under quarantine. Or, but you know, bringing us together to have that peace, to have that harmony, family harmony. Because, you know, when, we were, when I was growing up, well, we did have a television, but that, not too many people had a TV in the 50s. But jump rope, getting outside in the sun, sitting on the porch was one thing of sitting, talking with your neighbors, you know, in the summertime, being on the front porch. That community, knowing, looking out for each other. Look at your boy. He's going too far down the street. Boy, come back here. Mm-hmm, Looking mm-hmm, out for each other. We mm-hmm. need that back. We need that back. Yes. And, and, and again, you know, uh, people may say, oh, well, the children don't want this. But we are the adults. We are the ones that are supposed to teach them and nurture them. They want to be taught. You know, yes, they're yes. going to resist. I, I resist. Yes. I didn't like... I mean, I, my my grandmother would wake me up, and again, she's my she raised me. So, Mama would wake me up early on on Saturday mornings to do 
laundry, and we we had to hang the laundry out on the line. And I was I did I hated that, you know. I said, "Oh my God, mm-hmm. I want to sleep late on Saturday." But she would always say, "Get up early, get your chores done," because we had chores. Children these days don't have chores. Okay. We had chores. No. She would say, "Get up Mm-mm. early, get your chores done. Then you have the rest of the day to play and do the things that you want to do." And Marsha, I was in college, and I moved up campus because, again, being raised with your grandparents. <laughs> they, I matured faster. So when I got to college and, you know, saw all these girls who hadn't been, uh, hadn't had any freedom uh, and, you know, going crazy in the dorms, yeah. I, I could only take one year of that. So the second year I moved off campus. Well, I moved into a trailer park that had a, a closed line in the back of it. And I found myself getting up early before I would go to class and I would tell my roommate, let's wash our clothes and hang it on the line. <laughs> before we go to class. <laughs> and I said, oh, my God, I sound like mama. Oh, my God. But, again, you know, even though I fought it oh. when I was coming up, it it took root in me, and it made sense. And it made and sense that clothes felt. Go ahead. <laughs> I support that 100%. My um, middle daughter's in Wisconsin, and the the, um, the dryer wasn't working. And I wouldn't, we had clothesline going up as a kid. So we used to hang our sheets and stuff because I love the smell of sheets being on the line. So I got a clothesline and put it out there. And I said, look, use this clothesline. And then and until you get the, the guy to come in and repair, make the repair to the dryer, you can just hang the delicate things in the inside that you don't want hanging out your personal stuff so it can hang in a basement, whatever. She did it. And she do it to this day even now. The dryer's working, but if it's summertime, it's 80 degrees, whatever, she's hanging her clothes out. Had my granddaughter, who was down in Mississippi, taking care of family member, an elderly family member in lower Mississippi, and she had a clothesline. I told my granddaughter, okay, I should, there's a clothesline. And I took pictures of her hanging clothes up on the clothesline. I thought, oh, let me get a picture of you. <laughs> I said, because a lot of young kids ain't doing this today. But I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I think, too, they program us to use the electric dryer. We're here in Georgia. It's 80 and 90, and the weather's hot. Many people can save money on electric bill by taking their clothes outside and hanging them up instead of running that dryer, running them dry. Kids will put just one item in there and run the dryer. But, yes, I, I support that 100%. Yes, it's so many simple things that, you know, if we, you know, this experience may allow for it to come back into play like, you know, families, you know, cooking, you know, having time Mm -hmm. now to actually cook a dinner um, and people maybe taking the time out to eat together, you know, as opposed to, you know, um, eating at different times. and, And so bringing the family back together, if that's important, if you've lost touch with that, now we can use this time to do some of those things in terms of bringing the family back together, setting up a time, 6 o'clock, everyone's put everything down. You know, we're going to sit around the table and have a meal together. Um, and, you know, not while everyone is on their devices. And the parents have to really show, be a model in this. I mean, they have to be a role model in terms of putting down the phones because the children are only mimicking what they see right. from the parents. 
And oftentimes right. the children are using the phone as an escape because they don't feel as though they're getting even attention from their parents. So they're using that as a as a scapegoat as well to say, well, I'm not getting wow. any attention. You know, my 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 family doesn't listen to me. So I'm using this as a scapegoat as well. So there, and and again, you know, you, you go out to restaurants when we were able to when we were going to restaurants, and you see couples or people together, and everyone is on their cell phone. They're out together mm-hmm. on, on, at dinner, but yet everyone is on their cell phone. So we have right. to begin to consciously, and that's where mindfulness practice comes in, we have to be conscious of changing the paradigm that we want to create for this next generation. We have to do that now. If not, we will have a lost, lost generation. And so, you know, that's going to be robotic in terms of no sensitivity, no compassion, no empathy. Wow. You know, one of the things that I appreciate about, you know, coming up in my, um, my village experience as a, a, in, in, in the low countries is that there was respect for elders, lots of respect for right. elders. Oh, my you, and so yeah. we, 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 we are missing that now. We are missing that mm-hmm. in terms of the children having that connection with the grandparents and having that respect. You know, um, and so again, of course, we didn't grow up with all these technological uh, gadgets to be distracted by. But even though, if you have them now, we have to set boundaries on them. Right, right. And you know, as a little girl, I can remember the joy my little heart felt when I saw my grandparents going to their homes. It was, um, it was elated. You talk about being happy. I had that's when I was so happy going to my grandparents' house and, you know, being at the house. And she didn't have to say much, but watching her in the kitchen, the smell, her interacting with her, cooking or whatever, that I really have great memories of because, and now to get the young people into the kitchen to do anything, it's like a chore. They don't want to do it. And I truly believe with the way this picture of the coronavirus of people being locked in their homes, not having jobs. The government has to subsidize you some money until this plague is passed over. We need to teach, and this is what my other business, Yesterday's Kitchen for the day when you and I met, was educating the families to say we need to go back and teach the next generation, remind the older generation of being self-sufficient, growing your own food, getting into the dirt, um, making homemade meals, not only for short time, for for the immediate time, but long term, being able to put food away for the winters because people knew there were hard winters coming. This is my harvest. If I don't get this food in, we, we're going to starve in the wintertime. People are going to realize this, this United States and across the world is not going to be the same anymore. There's going to be some big changes. And I looked at Italy um they had the stay-at-home mandate so strong that the only way you can be on the street, you had to have a paper where you were going and who giving you order for you to be out on the street. What does that remind you of, Hitler? Uh, I'm like, okay, this is preparing to me for New World Order, um, controlling the masses, controlling the people. And I truly believe we need to have control of our own food, own land, and being able to feed, take care of your neighbor, make sure, you know, 
and we're good for doing this in our neighborhood. You know, hey, I just baked something or I just made something. Would you, hey, did you eat? No, I haven't eaten. Come get some. Come do that. And we have to beat our brother's keeper and being mindful first, like you said, of ourselves and then someone else. Well, I agree with you, and this is why, you know, if our core value is freedom, then we have to begin to understand, are we releasing our freedom um, to someone else? Are we giving up our freedom? Because, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, those are some of the things that we will be, have to begin to look at in terms of what is it that we are giving up? You know, many people want to uh, want security as opposed to freedom, you know. So they'll, you know, they'll, they'll do all of these things that is uh, being required of them because they feel it's going to bring them security. But then in the meantime, you are in prison. You are in bondage. You, you mo- no more than different mm-hmm. than, you know, being in a jail cell because you are, your, limit, your freedom is limited. So these are some exactly. of the things that, you know, as this thing goes on, you know, when people begin to quiet down and go within, perhaps maybe some of the illusion will fall away and people would would probably see maybe not face value in terms of what's happening, but be able to see beyond what's really happening so that they can begin to stand up for something and ask, you know, different types of questions and demand, you know, some answers. So these are the things that, again, you know, as we begin to really tune into ourselves, um, and understand, you know, what our core values are, we begin to stand up and show up differently wherever we are. Right. We, just, we, just not, we just can't be the same anymore. Um, and so um, I, was, uh, my, 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 I was telling my aunt, I said, well, I'm not going to renew my lease. And she was like, well, you know, I got spacey. I said, no, I can't. <laughs> I said, I have to have my own space where I can be me you know, and be right. able to do the things that bring me joy and fulfillment and happiness. Um, and I'm, I'm going, and I'm creating that. I said, you know, so these are some of the things that we have to make a conscious decision each and every day. What brings me joy? What brings me happiness? Mm-hmm. What brings me fulfillment? What are those core values that are very important to me? And what am I willing to let go of to have those core values? You know, it may take a little uh, fighting with the with the children for a while to get them to the point to understand that no, in this house we are going to eat at the table at a certain time. We're not we're going to let go of those um, digital um, devices for a certain time because this is what mm-hmm. I'm willing to do so that I can bring back the nature of family, so that I can begin to build generations of. Of, of, of a close-knit family where you all can, you know, help each other out even beyond when the parents are, you know, when the parents have moved on from earth. So these are the things that are, you know, this time is giving people an opportunity, if they take it, to really go with them right. and to really find out what is truly, you know, happiness for them, what is, what is how to create their own inner peace, how to identify what is really truly important to them so that they can create, consciously create their reality based on that. Now, how do you deal with families with alcoholism, drugs, um, mental illness? Because 
I know mental illness is a really big thing, and there's not enough help and support for families who have loved ones that have mental illness. For finding this um, energy, this mindfulness of how do you deal with people on that level? Well, you know, everything is, again, my belief is that, well, my knowing is everything is energy. And um, and also it is my understanding that, um, based on my own opinion, that, you know, the mental um, illness have definitely been uh, not treated well, especially in um, the African-American families, has been misdiagnosed because a lot of these things is that, um, you know, based on our culture and um, understanding that we all have intuitive abilities and psychic abilities. And if you're in an um, environment where this is not nurtured and, you're, and your sensitivities is not developed so that you know how to harness them, sometimes those are misdiagnosed cases of mental illness um, because yes. people quickly put people on... Um, you know, some type of uh, pills mm-hmm. or drugs or whatever. And so this, this, this continues to derode the brain. So, um, mm-hmm. so there's, there's, there's twofold things there in terms of, you know, oftentimes if once the medical field begins to open up more to understanding the work of energy practitioners, they can, we can work in, con, um, in union with each other so that we can work on the mental, the emotional, the physical, and spiritual bodies because we have to work on the entire body for to bring that person back into wholeness, okay? There okay. are some people that will require, um, if they have a brain disorder, and I, I'm not a medical practitioner, so I, I'm not, you know, I'm only giving my opinion. If, if they have mm-hmm. a medical disorder, you know, and the brain is damaged or whatever, then sometimes it may take, some type of chemical to to help the person while they while we work on other things. But I think as the as our lives evolve and as we begin to understand how energy work plays in um, plays a role in helping to bring forth holistic health um, to the body, mm-hmm. then the mm-hmm. the medical field and the energy practitioners can begin to work together as opposed to thinking that there is only one way um, to really help bring the body back into balance because all that is is an imbalance. It's an imbalance. It's an imbalance in the brain. It's an imbalance in the body. Uh, and so the system, the system which we call the body, is imbalanced, and that has to be brought back into balance. But, again, um, a lot of these things begin early in the, an adult age in terms of alcohol addictions. That could be family patterns of, you know, some suppressed emotions and feelings right. that have not been resolved. You know, um, uh, again, you know, back when we were coming up, you know, still even though, you know, there was a strict code in terms of being respectful to elders, but then there also wasn't a whole lot of being able to say what you really felt either, you know. And so a lot of those things are so a lot of those things are suppressed. And um and then, you know, again, oftentimes too I've seen situations where people mimic like I grew up in a family um that, you know, yeah, we we drank, you know, you know, alcohol was served at all the gatherings. We have cousins, you know, people drinking. Yeah. 
And so when I mm-hmm. met a brother, you know, eons ago that was drinking like that, I didn't think nothing of it because I, I, I saw this pattern and people still got up and go to work and everything, but, you know, people drink. And so, but I mm-hmm. didn't realize that he had an addiction because mm-hmm. I didn't, the, right. I, the pattern was in my mind. The pattern was in my brain and it was okay. So a lot of times people um, have had these patterns in their brain and they're so accustomed to these patterns that they find nothing wrong with, you know, with understanding that they may have an addiction to alcohol. Um, and again, right. you know, until you become aware of it, um, that this is something that is, um, that is uh, an addict, addiction, um, then, you know, you will continue to do the same thing. Now we're going to take we're going to take another break, and when I come back, I want you to be able to give the listening audience information on how they can reach you and the service you offer for them. I just want to remind our listening audience: you're on a D-Hour Network. I'm your host, Marsha Patterson, and we'll be right back.
Today we have Natati Rivers on, and we are talking about energy, the mindful, and keeping the womb. She's a womb practitioner. What is, um, before I go with that womb, keeping the womb practitioner and you giving us the information, I wanted to say something about when you send crayons and coloring. We I bought some poster boards so we can do a vision party with my grand, my daughter and my uh, two daughters and my granddaughter. We're going to do a vision party. So our goal is to sit down, and I do sit in color and um, find word searches. So I'm on that journey of self-healing, um, looking to question um, the space that I'm in and why I'm feeling that way. So I'm going to suggest everyone else as they're we're on this journey with this corona plague that's going across the world, and people are sick, and we know people are dying from this. And so our prayers are for the family member, but to be, you know, when you're sick and keeping your mind on your body healthy, it will help your body to defend itself. You know, we talked about probiotic foods. She talked about water. We talked about the salt. Different things that we can do to build our immune system up, keep our body healthy and our mind healthy so we can fight this battle and, and win. Many people have recovered from this coronavirus, but many have died. So, but we want people to know that you have choices, as she said before, and cleaning up the inside of your cellular memories and your uh, your past, and just being able to forgive. That word forgiveness, man, oh man, it's just been <laughs> it's something there because we need to forgive in order to be able to move on. Don't, but yeah. Yes, and um, I, I agree with you. We have to we have to forgive um, individually, and we have to forgive so that because 
this experience and um, giving love and light, and I do pray that, you know, um, uh, if the callers, if any of the callers are, have experienced a loss of anyone as a result of this event, um, I want to share my condolences and my love um, and light to you um, and healing, comfort healing to you at this time. Right. And yet this is something that um, we are going to, just like uh, the radiation in the cell phones, we have so much radiation around us. We have radiations in the microwave ovens. We have radiation in the, in the, uh, the refrigerators that they're making now. We have radiation in all these cell towers that is around our buildings, and our bodies yeah. have become immune to them, you know. So right. our bodies are definitely evolving, um, and we will also uh, become immune to this. We will, Mother Earth, we, we have a, a creator that has built everything inside of our bodies to take care of us. And so what we need mm-hmm. is inside our body, but we do have to really work on working on the mind, the body, and the spirit. So we have to work on our thoughts. We have to work on our mind and the thoughts that we have. And we have to definitely work on releasing the fear that, um, that's connected to this experience. Um, so that you don't put yourself in bondage because the fear will put you in bondage and will actually reduce your immune system. So we want to work on the probiotics, getting the water, doing the things that help us stay grounded, um, laugh, dance. Um, And you mentioned a vision board journey, um, Marsha, which is so awesome because that was actually one of the events that I was planning before this thing hit. (laughs) So um, Okay. Yes, I was planning a vision board journey um, event um, for the month of March um, um, before this thing hit. So, and it was so funny because the venues kept. I mean, I had one venue that I knew was good, but the other venue kept. You know, we we kept going back and forth, back and forth, and then all of a sudden this thing hit. And so I said, okay, now I understood why that was being delayed. So, um, okay. so I do plan to do something online. Um, I, I just I'm still working on that uh, whole process, but I do plan to do a vision board journey online because I think that will be very good to help people focus and um, to get them out of this fear and to mm-hmm. you know to help them to really get in touch with some of the things that really brings them joy and fulfillment. Um, and so, and before I. I know that you told me to say something about my work, but I want to say that, and then before I close, I want to leave out with this um, this quote by Eckhart Tolle. But for your listening audience, again, my name is Nataki, uh, and you can find me. I have a website, and it's empoweringyounow.net. So that's empowering you, E-M-P-O-W-E-R-I-N-G, you, the letter U, now. N-O-W dot net. Um, and you can find me on the website. If you need to call me, my phone number is 678-357-5171. And I would probably prefer you to just text me and say you, you know, heard me on Marsha's show and you want to schedule a, a, a conversation with me. Um, and you can go to my website and check the prices. Of course, um, I'm working with people who are having financial challenges at this time, so please do not let that deter you. Um, Any price that you see on my website, please do not let that deter you if you need help. 
please reach out to me. Um, because we've talked about some deep stuff here, and like Marsha's, uh, that, for, that forgiveness is triggering her. It may have triggered many of you as well, since you're now really having a lot of time to really go within and have some time to be with yourself. So please do not let um, that deter you. Just call me, and we will work something out. Do you have a book? I don't, not yet. Working on it. All right, cool, because I'm, I'm waiting for it, because I truly believe this is needed. Um, I noticed you did some work in the public, you did some work with the school, the public school system, too, with this. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, I've done, um, go ahead. I'm just going to look, I was just looking here, you up. um Families and children for 20 years, both in private and non-profit sector. You serve as a, a, a project manager for Early Start Initiative and Partnership um, in the White Fork Inc. Um, where is that at? Uh, is that Embry School of, of Pediatrics? Well, that's uh, the Whiteford School. That's actually where you came. You did the workshop for me. Um, it was Whiteford Elementary School. <laughs> They have okay. since closed. Yes. The, they, they have they since closed that school. So it's an early. Yeah, they closed. The, they closed. Well, they shut down Whiteford Elementary, but it's now um, Whiteford Early Learning Academy. Whiteford Early Learning Academy. Oh. So it's still a school, but it's not an elementary school. Okay. Okay. And yes, okay. for some, for some okay. reason, I'm I am not. It's like working with families and communities and children is just a part of my soul's purpose because I'm not able to get away from that. So, um, and I'm also a certified project manager. Yes, and so I do work on projects. Um, certain communities may call me. For example, the project that I worked on, where I brought you in, Marsha, was um, a health and wellness project. So it was about right. really bringing forth more um, health awareness to teachers um, who, because mm-hmm. of their hectic schedules and um, the stress mm-hmm. that they're under working with children and working in this, this administrative and educational system that we have that is really so toxic that it was an opportunity to yes. bring kind of healing and, 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 and wellness to them so that they could show up differently in the classroom. Um, and so mm-hmm. I did get a chance to create a wellness room while I was there. Um, and that's something that, again, to all the listeners, you know, um, having creating some type of sacred uh, spot in your home where you can sit down and just be at peace and be at one with yourself um, and uh, just creating that space for yourself. And, you know, just give yourself permission to be able to do that some place where you may can close the door so you won't be disturbed. Um, you know, my grandmother, as I think about her in terms of some of the things that she did, she would always get up so much earlier than than we did to read her Bible and to have her time sure. to just be at peace with herself before she started the day, before she woke us up and started the day. And she raised 13 children. So, you know. Um, wow. You know, these are the these are the things that again they used to do back then to kind of get themselves centered and grounded before they started with everyone else for the day. So for parents who are listening on the call, of um, you know, these are things that you can begin to do now to get yourself I, grounded in terms of yes. And I do that now. 
I do that right now. And I actually started a uh, open several years ago talk about doing journals. That started me um, doing journals. Well, I just write. I put, do. I have a prayer journal. I have a uh, uh-huh. I, anything. Just just put it down. How I feel, whatever, and it helps. It has helped. Yes. And, um And I know that I'm more grounded and focused on uh, what I need to be focused on for that day or that minute. And um, I'm learning not to let other people deviate what I'm supposed to do because sometimes I have a schedule list and somebody else will be coming and I'm learning to shut that down. And, you know, I'm really getting good at saying no to because very community-minded, do volunteer work, done it all my life pretty much, PTA, Girl Scouts, um, uh, religious group, church, Bible study, all this. I've always been doing some volunteer work. And when the firefighters or the police association are calling, said, we're calling, we're making donations. And I'm like, where are you guys located? And I used to feel guilty and give. And give. I'm like, no. If I want to give, I'm going to get to my local station. So I'm shutting that down, learning how to say no and not being pressured to say yes. So being mindful. And to add to that, I just wanted to share with your audience that, you know, those are some of the people who come to me, people who really do have a hard time, like they are oversensitive and they're empathics and they have a difficult time you know, being grounded in such a high, overwhelmed, um, information overload, sensitive um, environment. And so those are some of the people who come to me also to help to learn how to get grounded. Um, And, uh, and again, when we talk about these cellular memories and blocks, those are some of the things Mm -hmm. that I work with as well in terms of helping to move that energy around so that, you know, what is under there can come up so that you can get more clarity. And also during this time, there's so much fear in the environment. Of course, I do property clearing, um, which is uh, energy and energetic clearing work on your home that doesn't, that I just tap into the consciousness of your home and clear it remotely. Um, and so I've been really offering discounts on that because I think it's so important as people are having to be in their homes so much right now and being, you know, sitting in that level of toxicity in terms of the fear and the anxiety and the nervousness that's, you know, coming from the TVs and things of that nature. Um, so those are some of the things that I do um, to, again, this is what I do normally, but more so now, especially with um, this experience, to help people move through this experience with greater ease and grace. I think when you said the, the helping with the cleansing and the toxicity of what's happening in the house, because these in these homes, they're like wood and material stuff. Things attach themselves to the house, too. The energy, yes. the flow of what's in that house is going to filtrate inside the household. You know, have you ever walked in a house and you just feel some, some energy of strife or whatever, and you're like, oop, i got to get up out of here. Oh, I yeah. can't stay. <laughs> Gotta go. Gotta go. But people don't understand how important that is. And you know, the fearful thing to me is this: like people so fearful uh, of this coronavirus. We put our gloves on. We're touching everything. We're wiping things down. They're not even accepting currency in China and some of the parts of the country. They're not even accepting money because the, the the coronavirus can live on 
paper and cardboard and stuff for several hours and days or whatever. That's how it is in your home. The energy can uh, on your door, your furniture, whatever that's in you and your family that's filtering in that home is going to filter into the things that are in that house. And that house is going to become toxic and nobody's going to be at peace. And so that's why, you know, having someone like Nakati do a cleansing, and and, uh, Jane talked about that on our last show, because I truly believe that. I truly believe that. And there was a book I read years ago called Portable Cleansing, where it talks about cleaning your land, your house, and things, because, Uh you know, energy flow. Um. Was it 2013 or 2014? I was in um, Hattiesburg, Mississippi, to a Black Farmers Conference thing, and I was at this hotel that was right along the Mississippi River, and and it used to be a poor black area that they what they call gentrification, where they're redoing the little shotgun houses, and they got hotels, and it's really nice, and they did a beautiful walkway where you can walk in, along the river and bike and stuff. But as I'm walking through there, because that evening they had a dancing and things like that for the Black Farmers Association, whatever, outside. But I told the officer that was standing next to me, I said, I'm not at peace. I said, maybe because I'm looking at this river and I'm thinking about the lives and people or what could have been living during the time, slavery, you know, because there's a plantation house that was not far from the from where we were. And he said to me, he said, oh, your, your, your body must be picking up the uh, devil's punch bowl spirit. I'm like, uh, what? He called it the devil punch bowl. And it's where um, after the Civil War, after um, many slaves were emancipated and set free, they went walking off the plantation. And they walked through Hattiesburg, Mississippi. It was over 2,000 of them. Um, trying to find their way, their direction, and they met up with the Union Army. And the Union Army ended up putting them in a concentration camp. Didn't feed them, separate the men and the women, and they end up dying. So they called that the Devil's Punchbowl because no one, they all died, and they were murdered like that. And that spirit still was lingering that I could not enjoy the scenery, not knowing oh. anything about the Devil's Punchbowl. But I just want to remind everyone, I thank you so much. We've got one minute left on the show. Um, we're going to do this again, if you don't mind. We can do this, you know, doing this during the coronavirus, but we can do it again after the coronavirus to, to kind of get us back on getting our lives back and our mind and our peace. So I want to thank you oh, for definitely. being on my show. It was just a blessing to have you. Give people your telephone number and information one more time before we leave. Okay. Thank you so much. And, again, it has been my pleasure to be here with you all. Again, my name is Nataki Rivers. My website is empoweringyounow.net. My phone number is 678-357-5171. And, again, thank you, Marsha, for having me, and thank you for allowing me to share this information with your with your family. You are such a blessing. I thank you so much. Everyone have a blessed week. Enjoy yourself and be safe. Bye bye.